The scripture reading is from Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 3. Paul is addressing a situation where the Romans at the church have been abusing divine grace. And we begin here in verse 3. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we become united in him in the likeness of his death, then also we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this then, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is indeed freed from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death is no longer master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. And so even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. morning. It is good to see everyone uh, this morning. I appreciate uh, you all being here. I especially appreciate the visitors. It's good to see Mick and his family and Keegan and those that are with us uh, that are not normally members here. And Stephanie, of course, uh, Alice is going to be leaving soon. And we're sad to see her go, but we're thankful that everyone's here. And uh, we welcome you to our Westside family. We want everyone to know that our goal here and our desire here is simply to be Christians. We want to be mature, complete, Christians lacking in nothing, and of course, us being here uh, speaks to that. But I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be able to speak to you this morning. It's a, it's something that I, I take, uh, I, I don't take lightly, and and uh, I hope you benefit from being here this morning. Um, my only goal when I speak in public, especially when I speak about spiritual things, is I want to be effective. Uh, that's really all that I care about. And so, with the combination of God's word and your good listening and paying attention, I think that um, um, that success will be the only outcome that we'll have. Of, of course, a little bit of patience. I ask for your patience. This is one of those lessons that I kind of call kind of a panic sermon. Uh, I'm not the speaker here. I'm not the evangelist here at Westside. Of course, it was announced just, um, a little bit ago that the reason why our evangelist is not here. And so with a little bit of last uh, second prepping and, and your patience, is uh, show me some grace this morning. That's another reason why... Uh, that, that PowerPoint, that's all you get. It's not going to change. And so for you note takers, I apologize. I'll try to speak slowly so you can, if you want to take down notes and the passages that I, that I reference, you'll be able to do that. It's not an excuse for you to start thinking about what you're going to be having for lunch, although this sermon might have a little bit of uh, brevity. Don't give me some focus here for the next uh, 20, 25 minutes or so. Of course, God's word is where we're going to be this morning. So if you have your New Testaments, please take them out, get them over to the book of Acts. The book of Acts is where we're going to be spending a lot of time uh, this morning. <clears throat> Before we put our noses in the text, I want to thank Josh for the leading of the songs that he did this morning. Um, we sang about the resurrection. We sang about the power of the resurrection. That's exactly what we're going to be talking about this morning. Uh, but you can't have a resurrection without a death, right? And Which makes me think about um, the Lord's death and how that really seems to be the focus 
uh, here. It seems to be the focus of Christians. We always are thinking about the Lord's death. We're always talking about the Lord's death. Everything seems to be about the Lord's death. Even in our prayers, we make mention um, of the Lord's death. Of course, we, we partook of the Lord's Supper, focusing on the Lord's death. And of course, few invitations probably are given that don't, uh, at some way or another, at some point, are going to mention the death of Christ. It seems like all we ever talk about is the death of Christ. But I think that's for a good reason, right? It's for a good reason. One, we're told to remember him, uh, the Lord's Supper. Uh, of course, he is the Lamb of God. He was the ultimate sacrifice that made possible for us to um, uh, experience the grace of God to take away our sins. It is his death. It is his blood. It is the cross that means so much to us. And yet, what is his death without his resurrection? And maybe you haven't given that a lot of thought this morning, but I really want to give that some thought this morning. I mean, does it really matter? Which, of course, seems like a really odd question. Of course, the resurrection matters. Obviously, it matters. But what I know is that we really talk a lot about his death and how little we talk about his resurrection. Sometimes you'll hear people say, um, well, you'll see people wearing crosses around their neck. You see that sometimes. Sometimes you'll see people, they'll put a, maybe a cross up on their wall at their house. Of course, that's to remind them of Jesus and, and the blood and the sacrifice. Maybe you have a little cross on your Bible. Um, that's to remind you of, of, of the death of, of Jesus Christ. But have you ever seen somebody wear an empty tomb around their neck? Have you ever seen somebody have an empty tomb picture on their wall or maybe that on their Bible? And yet when you take away the resurrection, if you take that away... Everything falls. The Bible fails. The Bible falls. There is no evidence of him being the Son of God. There is no evidence of him being the Messiah if you take away the resurrection. I mean, who is Jesus if he wasn't resurrected? He's just Jesus of Nazareth. He's just an ordinary man. You take away that and everything crumbles. It will deny his deity. It, it, uh, you lose the Father loses credibility if you take away the resurrection. It ruins it. And so does the resurrection matter? Of course it matters. Everything hinges upon the resurrection. Everything hinges upon that Sunday morning, the empty tomb that was found some 2,000 years ago. Sometimes people will say, if it wasn't for what happened on Sunday, what happened on Friday wouldn't have mattered. That's true. That's true. You take away that and none of this matters. Why are we here? This is vain worship. All the, the songs that, that we sing, there is no value uh, without a risen body of Christ. Lord's Supper didn't matter. Might as well not have taken it if Jesus wouldn't have been resurrected. Meaningless if he hadn't appeared to the disciples. And so the idea of being a Christian is, is worthless without the resurrection. Let's do a quick survey of the New Testament church, of the early church, to show how much the resurrection really mattered. Even though you flip through the Gospels, you flip through the pages, everything kind of points and builds uh, towards Calvary. What I think is what we'll see is that the resurrection really is the central theme of the New Testament, even though I think it's kind of often um, overlooked. I appreciate you holding your, your finger there in Acts the book of Acts. So let's go to the book of Acts. It's now time to put our nose there. Chapter 2, of course. Chapter 2, the first sermon preached, Acts chapter 2, 
verses 22 through 24. Peter says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Jump down to verse 29. Uh, verse 29, starting there, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried in his tomb is with us to this day, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Go to chapter 3. Chapter 3, when they go, they're going to heal the lame man. Look at what they emphasize, starting in verse 13. Acts chapter 3. In verse 13, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Look at what they emphasize there. Go to chapter 4. Chapter 4, when they're on trial for this, chapter 4, and next chapter 4 and verse 10, let it be known to all of you uh, and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. Acts chapter 5, let's keep moving down the line here. They're put on trial again. Acts chapter 5, look at verse 29. I think we all know this verse really well, but let's read a few more verses. Acts chapter 5. In verse 29, but Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these sayings. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. God exalted him at the right hand. Again, Acts chapter 5, you crucified God raised. Go to Acts chapter 7. Let's get Stephen involved. We know Stephen well. Acts chapter 7, verses 51 through 56. Verse 51, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now when they heard these sayings, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. Stopping there, that doesn't get Stephen killed. What gets Stephen killed? Keep going, verse 55. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and rushed together at him. They cast him out of the city and stoned him. Of course, Paul was involved with that, right? But we're going to read about Paul in a moment. Before that, let's go to Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, right? Peter and Cornelius, Acts chapter 10. Cornelius is taught about the resurrection of Jesus. Acts chapter 10, verse 39. 
Acts 10, verse 39, And we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Okay, now go to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, we'll get Paul involved now. Acts chapter 13, verses 28 through 31. Acts 13, verses 28 through 31. And though they found him no guilty, uh, no guilty worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now uh, his witnesses uh, to the people. Over and over again in the New Testament, the death and the resurrection of Christ are connected. And the reality is sometimes we forget to talk about the, the resurrection of Christ, but in the early church and the Gospels, they are so connected that it seems like they're never separated. Over and over again in the book. If that's not good enough uh, for you, we can keep going a little bit. Um, we can go to Philippians chapter 2. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. We can get out of the book of Acts. And we can go to the, one of those prison epistles. His death is always followed up with the resurrection. Right? Because the resurrection was proof of who he was. The resurrection was proof of who they killed. Proof that he was God's son. So Philippians chapter 2. The prison epistle. Paul. Uh, verses 9 through 11. Philippians 2. 9 through 11. Actually I'm going to back up. I'm going to go to verse 6. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. Some translations say he was raised, he was resurrected. Again, death, resurrection, it's connected. Let's go to First uh, Corinthians. First Corinthians in chapter 15, you all know is going to be coming here. Max Lucado in one of his books that he wrote, you think about him, uh, what, what you want, but one of his books that he wrote, he was really trying to think about what was the most important. He had somebody ask him, in his book, No Wonder They Call Him the Savior. Uh, Max, what is the most important thing? The only thing he could think of was, Acts chapter, uh, was 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and verses 3 and 4. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scripture. And there's our theme, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Jump down to verse 14 of chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 14. I mentioned that if, if Christ had not been, been risen, then what we're doing is in vain. Everything we're doing is worthless. And nothing matters. The songs that we sing and the Lord's Supper and the prayers and the priests, it's all worthless and it's in vain. And maybe you thought that I was making that up, but I wasn't making it up. If you look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse um, 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testified about God that He raised Christ, 
whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Without the resurrection, the preaching of the apostles, uh, the preaching that the apostles did, was nothing. It was zero. The faith that the Christians had was nothing. Uh, the, the apostles, then would have, they, they were false witnesses. And those who died, they're forever dead, with no hope. And listen to this very carefully. Uh, we are still in our sins uh, without the resurrection. We cannot be saved from those sins. It is the linchpin of everything, the empty tomb. Let's take this a step further. The resurrection of Jesus also guarantees our resurrection. That was the first. Let's jump to the end, okay? And then we'll fill in the middle. Jesus' resurrection guarantees our resurrection. And what amazes me about the resurrection, um, and we speak so little about the resurrection of Christ, but we speak even less about our resurrection. And I think I know why. Um, it's because we're kind of left scratching our heads. We're kind of left maybe with more questions than we are answers. Um, if you want to know everything there is to know about our resurrection, about uh, uh, you know, the resurrection of the dead, I'm going to have to just direct you to someone else. I'm going to have to point you to one of our elders or maybe that little box in the back. And you can ask Sean about what that's going to be and what that's going to look like. I don't know except we're going to be changed and that we're going to be like the sun. Um, there's a lot of questions that I'm left with that I can't really answer that I hope that someday, well, I will be able to answer someday, um, not by faith, but by sight, right? But I do know this, that there is a promise of our re resurrection made possible by Jesus's resurrection. Staying in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, look at verse 45. It's 11.15. We're already halfway through the second point. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, beginning in verse 45. Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural. And then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. A second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. As it is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the imperishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we'll stop there. 
I don't know how, I don't know what it will look like, uh, but I do know this, is that we're all going to be changed. Um, and, and notice in, the, in that reading, there is no, there's no where where Paul describes this as like um, something that he hopes will happen. As something that he's just like kind of crossing his fingers or that he wishes will happen. Uh, there is no skepticism in there, in that language, right? Never any skepticism in Paul's language. It is written like he knows. There, it, it is Paul saying, we will be raised. We will be raised. And that's the idea of 1 Corinthians 15. There is confidence and there is expectation. I think... One of the problems um, that I have with, with sometimes the way, it's more like the problem with me, the way I act in regard to my own resurrection is, maybe you're this way too, is that sometimes I lack confidence. I lack expectation. I talk about hope, but you want to talk about biblical hope. We know the definition of that. I'll never forget Mike O'Neill when he's here in all the Bible classes and sermons he'd talk about hope. What the biblical definition of hope is. He would say it's a confident expectation. That's what hope is. It's not saying, boy, I sure do hope I work hard enough and then maybe someday, if I'm lucky, I'll get to go to heaven. Um, you know, maybe so, sometimes your friends ask you, you know, are you going to go to heaven? I hope I do. Um, you know, if I'm lucky or, you know, if, you know, maybe he'll let me in if I'm good enough. No. Uh, biblical hope is if I submit to God and I allow the grace of God to rule my life, then there is a crown of righteousness laid up for me that I will receive, that I, I, I will get. Go over there to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Paul spoke with this confidence over and over again. Philippians chapter 3, uh, I'm in verse 12. Philippians 3 verse 12, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider uh, that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Um, I'm going to stop there. I am pressing on, and I will have it. Second Timothy, go to Second Timothy, staying with Paul. Second Timothy, chapter four. Sometimes I forget where books are when I'm in front of other people. Second Timothy, chapter four, verses six through eight. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Not, I sure hope I will. Not, maybe I'll get it. Not, uh, you know, maybe I'll get that reward. Uh, but we read those passages, passages and we think, well, how can Paul speak that way? You know, and some will say, well, it's Paul. You know, it's God, and then it's like the next person in line is, is the, Paul, what he did for the cause of Christ. Nobody can match. And some will say, well, he was an apostle. He, like, saw the risen Savior, 
and, and on the road to Damascus, and he had the Holy Spirit, and he had the spiritual gifts. Of course, if I was like Paul, if that was me, I would have that type of confidence too. But Paul wasn't confident about his future resurrection because of his spiritual gifts, or because of the Holy Spirit, or because he saw Jesus. He wasn't confident because of that. He was confident because he was a Christian. He was confident um, because of, uh, he knew that he was saved by grace through the blood of Jesus. Like, that's why he was confident. And that's why we should be confident. And the message of the Bible is anybody can have that same confidence, that same hope, that same confident expectation. Um, if you come to God through the Son, you have that same expectation of a resurrection, a future resurrection, just like Paul did. We can have that same um, hope because we're all children of God. So, I mean, really, you ask yourself, like, do you really understand what that means? That's a big thing to say. It means one day when this world is over, and again, I don't know what it's going to look like, but you will be changed. The incorruptible will put on, the, the corruptible will put on the incorruptible. The unperishable being that enters into the gates of heaven to spend all of eternity with God. And I know, I know there's some that aren't going to make it. I know. I've read all those verses of Matthew 7 and Matthew 25 that talks about how some people are going to hear, um, enter into the joys of my kingdom. Some are going to hear that. Some are going to hear, depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. I, I knew ye not. But for a second, for a moment, let's put away all that, that negativity and all that skepticism that you might have. And just for a moment say that God's people will enter into heaven for eternity. And we say that with confidence. And I'm going to be there. And you're going to be there. But that statement might trouble you. Um, but again, notice I didn't say, well, I hope that I, can, that, that I can be there. That, that God will let me in even though I don't deserve it. No, I am going to be there. Because he said I'm going to be there if I do these things. Because of Jesus' resurrection. It proves our resurrection. We need to live our lives, or maybe we need to start living our lives... With that confidence, that, that, that resurrected life that we know that, that we, we should be living, that, that we know we're going to get that future resurrection. It's time we, we, we wake up with having our own resurrection in view, just like Paul did. That if I live my life the right way, driven by that goal, uh, then I have nothing to look forward to except a resurrection someday in eternity in heaven, and it's going to be great. That's what we need to be thinking about. And I think the, the way that we can do that is uh, by just getting rid of that, that bad thought. Like, let's just get rid of that thought altogether and put to death that old way of thinking that of like, eh, I hope I'm about to die. I hope, this is, hope everything that I did is going to work. No, it is because God said it would. Go to uh, Galatians chapter 2. Galatians 2. Galatians 2, verse 20. I should have this verse memorized. Uh, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, they should put that to music. That's such a, a catchy, catchy line there. But I've been crucified with Christ. 
there's death involved. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 3. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. There is this death that I have to go through in order to experience this hope. And if you want to know about it, I could sit down and you could talk to Holly. Holly could tell you all about this death. She knows, she knows it more, uh, more than anybody right now. And I got permission to use her name during the lessons. I don't think I'm just trying to embarrass her. She said I could. We talked about the first resurrection and we talked about the future resurrection. But now there's another resurrection in the middle that allows us to have that, that hope. And there's a death involved. But, but, but remember, what's death without a resurrection, right? There's a resurrection. And even here, it's a spiritual one. Colossians chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 now. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I'm supposed to die with Christ and be raised with Christ. Um, and I don't know about you, but I haven't died yet physically. You know, so what's he talking about? So this morning I want to end by where we began with the scripture reading in Romans chapter 6. Go to Romans chapter 6. When we're baptized, we are baptized into his death. Romans chapter 6. I'm just going to reread what Nick read. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For we have been united with him in a death like his. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, uh, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive uh, to Christ Jesus. When we're baptized, we're baptized into his death. And when we rise, we, we, we come out of the, the, uh, the watery grave we're raised to walk in a newness of life. We've been resurrected. That old life is dead. A resurrected life now. And what that means is, is obedience changes us. Or at least it should change us. Jesus died. He was raised from the dead in order to change us. To change who we are. Our lives should be changed. We should be different. And you can trace that all the way back to the resurrection. On Friday night and this morning... We're saying because he lives, not because he died. We're saying because he lives. We have the hope of life with Jesus because of him living, because of the resurrection. And we need to make sure that what we're doing here, we're not just making this just uh, some religion, but this is our way of life. Because sadly, what sometimes people do is, is, is they don't really change. They're just a Christian in name only. And, you know, we, we come and we obey and we go through all those just like standard procedure and the habits 
of being a Christian, but we don't really change. We don't truly change. We're not different than what we were before. And maybe we're not different enough that the people around us know that we're supposed to be different. And sometimes it seems like the churched, we still have all the problems of the unchurched because we were never truly changed. So I, I think it, 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 it's sad that those who claim to have this resurrected life, that they fall short. So the challenge for us is not just to mentally acknowledge the resurrection, um, but to change the way we live our lives to show that spiritual resurrection here on this earth. It's kind of our goal. The forecast, the resurrection, the future resurrection that we're going to have someday. So the question for me, the question for you this morning is, is are you changed? Have you, you truly been changed? Or, or do we just look like everybody else? Um, I know that sometimes we, we can grow weary. We can, we can grow tired of, of doing the right thing. And uh, sometimes it can be a real drag being a Christian, you know? Like you don't get to go watch the movies that your friends do. You don't get to listen to the same music or go to the parties. Or you don't get to act the way they do. And maybe you want to, you know, was it uh, Moses, the, the, the fleeting pleasures of sin. Sin can be pleasurable. It's not the type of life that you need to be living. It's not the resurrected life. It's not the life that looks forward to our future uh, resurrection. If you're really living a Christ-centered life, you're not going to be doing those things. You're not, you're not going to be doing the things that are going to pull you farther away from God. And I'm sure that the early Christians, I'm sure they felt that way sometimes, uh, especially that church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll go back there just for a moment. But look at what uh, Paul tells them in, in verse 58, in 1 Corinthians 15. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Do you know why they weren't to grow weary and, 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 and not quit? It's because of the resurrection. It's because of the future resurrection that they could look forward to. That was the hope they had. It was a resurrection of Jesus that guaranteed their own future resurrection. So don't give up. Um, we work too hard to, to give up. We've come too far to only come this far. Uh, too often, maybe, we, we often look for too many blessings here. Like, we just want that, that gratification now. And don't be that short-sighted uh, mentally. If you believe in Jesus, who is risen from the dead, then you must believe, too, that he will raise you again that future resurrection. And you live that life not longing for the blessing here, but for the blessing that is to come. Um, maybe you're here this morning and you have not uh, united yourself with Christ. Maybe you haven't been truly, spiritually resurrected. Um, please see that connection. Uh, see that God wants you to change. Give pause to see how it all fits together. Um, that Jesus died and was resurrected so that we can spiritually die to our old life and our old sins and have a spiritual resurrection so that someday we can have the ultimate resurrection in heaven forever. The power uh, of the resurrection, does it matter? Absolutely it matters. Um, you know, I, I am going to read one more verse. Um, you know, do you want hope? It's only found in Christ. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. Um, it says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, 
that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God had the power to, to raise Jesus. He has the power to save you. He desires for everyone to be saved. He wants you to be saved. So do that. Make the best, most important decision you'll ever make right now as we stand and as we sing.